BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. In case you've been living under a rock or haven't turned on a radio or a television or opened your internet browser or seen basically another person today, maybe you didn't hear that overnight we had a leak of a 98-page draft of the decision by the Supreme Court in the Mississippi abortion case that was heard last fall. The draft version of the opinion now confirmed to be true by Chief Justice John Roberts is basically the writing of the majority under Samuel Alito's pen saying that Roe v. Wade was wrong, should be struck down, and the country should move to a state-by-state legislative approach to whether they want to regulate abortion or not. Now look, this is a hot mess of a topic. Everybody's angry, loud voices, excessive commentary. The one part about this story that I think probably hasn't really gotten enough attention is the fact of the leak itself. This is the first time it's ever happened. Like, this never happens. Supreme Court opinions are never leaked before they're finalized. And that's an important point here is this is not the final draft, which raises at least two important questions, in my opinion. Number one, what's the future of court deliberations and what does that look like when the justices no longer believe they can trust their clerks, presumably it was a clerk, of one of the justices, where they no longer believe that they have this safe, secure, confidential process in which to hammer out their ideas and argue against each other and adapt their presentations, which is what happens, until the public finally gets to see the end result. This could be a dramatic change to the way the Supreme Court operates behind closed doors. But of course, the other question, kind of the even bigger one in a way, is who leaked it and why? What were they trying to accomplish? And theories abound, okay? Could just be some disgruntled clerk who wanted to get it out there and rile everybody up about what this person thought was happening and was not happy with. Could be that it was a Democrat political strategy in order to raise difficulty for the Republicans in the midterms and, you know, make people angry and show them what was happening with the court that had become, in their view, more politicized. Perhaps, and hear me out on this, it was a Republican strategy to find out how the country would react and maybe test the waters in advance of a June release of the opinion, which is the normal time frame, so that they could kind of see, well, how bad is this going to be? Or maybe even try to diffuse the reaction by separating it in time from the primaries and the actual election this fall. Maybe even from a law enforcement perspective. You know, if we see protests now, we know where the protests are going to be. We can set up barricades and staging and have law enforcement prepared just in case when the final opinion actually comes out. And if there's going to be trouble, well, we'd rather see what that's going to look like in advance now rather than later. Kind of a trial run. I suppose there's even another theory, which is, you know, there's a country out there that wants to do us harm, that wants to see us fight and fracture and lose our political ability to organize and be anything as a nation. I think they're in the middle of a completely unjustified war against a Eastern European country right now. And they do have a history of using information, disinformation, and cyber strategies to disrupt their enemies. I'm not saying this is a Russian strategy. I'm just saying it's not out of the realm of possibility. But I think there's one thing we could all probably agree about, and hear me out here. If the goal of this was in some way to get us fighting with each other and angry at each other and to feel like the world is collapsing or changing dramatically around us and nothing is stable anymore, mission accomplished. And now a cool project out of Israel. 
Basically, a guy whose dad had served in the Israeli military and had been injured dramatically and lost the use of his legs, his son wanted to be able to take him hiking because that had been something that he'd been really into prior to going into the military. So he wanted to arrange a sort of a post-army hiking trip that was now delayed by quite some time since he was actually in the military. The problem is there's really not any accessible forms of travel for people confined to wheelchairs when they want to go off-road or up hills and on hikes. And the ones that he did look at didn't really work for them. So he set out to create a company that basically built wheelchairs for people to take on hikes up mountains and to get around. And it's kind of a funky design. If you look at it, it looks like a sort of a racing wheelchair with a big angled big wheel and then, you know, the smaller wheels in front. But then it's got a long pole arm that sticks out horizontally and bends around and is kind of a bar. And you can use that. Other people can use that almost like a rickshaw sort of look to it so that they can assist you getting up and around and over things. And that's part of the goal of this company. The company arranges outings, and it takes groups of people out to work together. People who don't have disabilities, people who do have disabilities, they encounter each other, they work together, they overcome these obstacles, and they have a grand time at it. The company's called Paratrek. It was founded in 2014, and the slogan is, Where there's a wheel, there's a way. And it kind of weirdly reminds me of the, like, sand beach mats, the Moby mats that are used to get people with wheelchairs out onto the beach these days. Just like a way to think about how to get those folks to have the full experience that other people enjoy. So the company is thriving. They've got about 25 staff members, and they organize and facilitate trips and provide the wheelchairs and just try to create a world in which disabled and not disabled people work together, do something cool that they all enjoy together, and everybody's ahead. What kinds of things can you use drones for? surveillance, taking pictures, insurance claims, finding fugitives with the infrared camera, delivering packages, racing. But what do criminals use drones for? Surveillance, pictures, racing, package deliveries. <laughs> We've seen various stories about criminals using drones to deliver, for example, drugs because they're relatively light, up and over prison walls, that kind of thing is not all that rare, unfortunately. But now a story comes out of Canada where recently the Canadian authorities reported finding a drone carrying guns across the border. A pretty sizable drone, it looks like a hexacopter to me, it's got six blades, was carrying 11 handguns. That's extremely heavy. 11 handguns in a, get this, a Walmart bag that was attached to the bottom of the drone. The reason the authorities found it, oh, it got stuck in a tree crossing the border. <laughs> So there are always hazards involved. Presumably the drone operators were flying it low in order to avoid detection, but they were crossing the border in order to smuggle guns into Canada. Well, the Canadians say to smuggle into Canada could be the other way around, but you'd think probably more likely, right? They don't know who sent it. They don't know who the recipient was. It was crossing the St. Clair River in the Ontario province. And at this point, it's pretty much an open mystery. The one thing I would observe is... If one drone with 11 guns and a Walmart bag was caught by the Canadians crossing the border, it probably was not the first or the last time that this strategy has been used. But we can hope that Gundash doesn't become a thriving business across the border. And finally, cats. Well, one cat. Jinx the cat. Jinx the cat's had an interesting life. It kind of wandered into this woman's life in California a couple of years ago, and it's got big eyes and some unusual physical features, and it's a little bit slower than other cats, but that's okay. She loved the cat like people do, fell in love with the stray, and, you know, had a fantastic life with her. And, of course, as these things go, set up an account on Instagram that has, like, 400,000 followers, and TikTok 700,000, and Twitter a quarter of a million. You know, cats online thrive. 
Well, in April of this year, the lady decided, you know, I heard that you can become a lady in Scotland if you buy a square foot of land. So she bought a square foot for herself and a square foot for Jinx, and they both became ladies. The follow-up to that is, well, it's one thing to be a lady in Scotland, of course, but wouldn't it be better to be a successful, thriving politician in the United States of America? Well, sure enough, in Michigan, there's a town that will let you buy the mayorship for a day. The name of the town? Oh, of course it's called hell. That's right, Hell, Michigan, for 100 bucks, you can become mayor for the day. And they go all out. And they do not discriminate. If you are not a human, that's okay. So for 100 bucks, she paid to have Jinx be the mayor for a day. They started to get phone calls. They got asked advice. They had to make decisions. One of the decisions was they had discovered that all the catfish in the lake were missing, and she was asked what she should do. Jinx decided that they should steal the catfish from another town over and replenish the stock course that led to her getting impeached the next day because it was only a one-day mayorship she had murals or posters put up and there was even a proclamation that eggs were going to be banned because apparently jinx doesn't like eggs and of course as you would suspect once one cat is the mayor of hell everybody wants their cat to be the mayor of hell eight other animals have now applied since jinx's reign was over What did the residents of hell think of the reign one of the town leaders summed it up in a fairly simple single word and I have to apologize in advance for this one. It was perfect. I'm sorry. Sometimes these things just can't be stopped. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to our digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. Hit the five stars before you go. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.